so I was uh, talking with a friend the other day about Christopher Nolan's films and, uh, you know, which ones we love, which ones we didn't, uh, you know, which which ones we could leave or take. Um, and it, it occurred to me that Christopher Nolan can never just do like a rom-com, can he? Like, every film has to one-up the epic that was the last one. It has to like explore some sort of existentialism or philosophy. Like, he can never just be like, oh, like, I really just want to talk about like i mean i guess he could do a love story but it has to be in the middle of space <laughs> but he's an artist you know what i mean like he's not doing it because he just wants to put films out there you know he wants to tell a very specific stylized stories and i think have you seen dunkirk i have not seen Dunkirk. It, it's yet. a very grounded film you know what i mean it's all real it's not it's not set in space it's not sci-fi you know uh, this is a world war. This is, you know, real people on the beach trying to survive. So it's it's totally different from all his other films, yet also like the same style, you know? And like he just used that to kind of make it different in other war pictures, you know? Like he puts the camera on the wings of the planes so that, you know, when it's flying, it's it's kind of very like uh, interstellar-like with the with the flight. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of like his techniques in there, but I do think... If you're thinking of like just like a, a a straightforward film, that would be his most straightforward film. You don't okay, I could see that, but you don't see him ever being like, you know what? I really want to do Rory's Last Kiss or Rory's First Kiss, whichever the working title for uh, for The Dark Knight was gonna be. No, I mean I I don't think I'd want to either. Well, clearly you don't have the commitment to Rory that everybody else. Does. <laughs> I'm just, you know, there's everyone's got their niche, you know what I mean? And I don't think it's like it's like saying would Scorsese ever do that? Of course not. Would uh, would even Zack Snyder do that? Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, there's like, everyone's got their niche and there's certain kind of like films they like to make. Well, you know what, Ty? If if y'all out there have a niche, then you should scratch it. But what I'm <laughs> gonna say is, uh, do you think we have any new reviews this week? Give me a yes or give me a no. I'm gonna give you a, a, a big fat Christopher Nolan, and you have to decide what that means. <laughs> Uh, so I have to make up the ending myself. Got yes, it. Yes. Yep. Well, I'm going to take out the Christopher. I'm going to take out the Len, and I'm going to be left with the no. And that is correct, Ty. Well yes. done. We have no new reviews this week, but if you want to have your review read at the top of the podcast, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Uh, You rate and review us and subscribe. It really helps out the podcast. It's the best and freest way that you can support the podcast. Um, Given that, actually, we don't don't have a Patreon anymore. That's the only way that you can support the podcast. But if you want a Patreon to come back, just let us know. But uh, nobody nobody contacted us when we had one, so... (laughs) Yeah, if yeah, if, if you if you do want our Patreon to come back, just go to Venmo, go at Mike <laughs> underscore Booch, and just give me whatever you think we deserve for and, the month, and, and I'll and split it. with He'll Ty. give you cool shit. He'll give you cool shit. I I probably will honestly. I have so much cool shit that uh, that I need to get rid of, but like I'm not really good at selling stuff online. <laughs> I, I meant like I meant like the stuff you were offering on Patreon, but that's pretty I, funny. I, yeah, yo, <laughs> I just, yo, here's a picture of my mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's vintage stuff. <laughs> You're not getting any more new ones. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Oh, man. That's uh, oh, um, you know what? So speaking of which, I uh, when I was intimidating Sprint this week while well, I left them and uh, went to another provider, of which I got a bundle included with my plan of Disney Plus, ESPN, and Hulu. So, I mean, 
Come on, I'm not paying for Mama. any of those anymore per month. Uh, I'll be honest, I use my brother's. Did anybody? Nobody pays for all <laughs> these fucking things, right? Like, like I, mean, I do Netflix. Is. My mom does Hulu. My brother does Disney. <laughs> uh, we all mooch off my mom's HBO, so we have HBO. I mean, Max. that's that's how it should be. Honestly, yeah. it should be one person, and then like everybody shares their own different thing, so nobody's yeah. paying for all of them at exactly. once. Um, but there, there is a thirteen ninety nine bundle for all three of those streaming services. Uh, they That's make sure good. to tell you the value, uh, but for just ten bucks extra in the plan. Anyway, so I was, I was, I was fed up with Sprint. They, they merged with T Mobile and made somehow an even worse network um, than they already had. Oh. And they were trying to be like, oh, uh, like I'm asking, like, how do I get my phone? Because I wanted to bring my phone over, you know, so I had to buy them out. It was a whole process. I won't bore anybody with it. But uh, but they were like, oh, we'll send you to promotions if you'd like to leave Sprint and see if we can help you out. And I'm like, no, I don't want like $16 off my bill this month. You don't understand. Like you could offer to bring back my mother from the dead and I will still <laughs> Did you say switch that? providers. I said that to them. And she was like. I understand. I'm sending you to this guy. I was oh like, right, my! Thank you. Like, That's wow. I mean, they I, all do that though. They will never just let you go. They never will. I felt like that was decidedly the best way. And Except it, Optimum, actually. Optimum let me go once, and I was waiting for them to be like, "Listen, we'll give you fucking a hand job and like twenty bucks off." You suck your fucking. And he was just time. like, "Oh, right, you want to go? Go!" I was like, "Whoa, whoa! All right, you having a bad day, guy?" <laughs> okay, Mister Optimum. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> I mean, that was the optimum way to handle the situation, to be frank with you. So <laughs> if you want your reviews right at the top of the show, just leave it on uh, Apple Podcasts for us. Uh, we're going to be getting into the episode proper with the theme song. You ready for it, Ty? Oh, I'm ready. Let the games begin. <laughs> Welcome back to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of our favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I'm your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. Mike O'Kane, a.k.a. Detective John Baked, a.k.a. A Tale of Two Man Titties, a.k.a. That's a Time Bong, a.k.a. Anyone can be a podcast host, even someone willing to do something as simple and reassuring as using his friend's Blue Yeti to let him know that the world was ending. And as always, I'm thrilled to be joined in my second seat by my lovely co-host, Ty. Hey, I'm excited to be back. I was uh, bummed I couldn't make it last week, but I'm, I'm here now. Yeah, I, I, you forced me into a Kurt Cobain-esque uh, <laughs> solo episode Yeah, last we, had, week, we had to have apparently. an intervention. We, we, we were really worried about you there, man. <laughs> I didn't know it was supposed it was going to be that, that depressing, but like, oh, man. Uh, but yeah, we are here for our... <laughs> Not even Bat Month anymore, but it never was. It's our Bat We're Month. Here. It's it our Bat Month, and that's <laughs> all that actually, matters. But May was our Bat Month. We're in June. No, now. our Bat Month is when we want it to be our Bat Month. <laughs> we are releasing this episode on the same day we are recording it. We are recording it in the afternoon, so we're losing like two listeners. It's about three hundred percent of our listener base. Um, I'm I'm ready for this though. We are reviewing The Dark Knight Rises. This is the third of the Nolan films that we are reviewing for our Bat Month. Um retrospective, whatever you'd like to call it. And uh, for those of you who don't know, this is the film that broke me. But maybe this week it'll be the film that puts me back together. 
All right. So, so Ty, what what did what were you feeling like going into this film back in 2012? Oh, I was extremely excited, right? Um, I think it was you, me, a bunch of our friends going to a triple feature. We saw Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and Dark Knight Rises back to back to back in our local theater, and uh, it was you know an all night kind of event, and we were all pumped. We loved the Dark Knight, all big Batman fans, and we had very high expectations for this film. I think that sums it up perfectly. High expectations is probably an understatement. I loved the trailers. I was going into it. I had reread Nightfall. You know, I, uh, I I was glad that that they called back some Batman Begins because I always felt that it was kind of underappreciated. So even in the trailer when they have Ra's al Ghul's voiceover of, you know, you become a legend, Mr. Wayne, a legend. I was like, yeah, let's fucking do this. And I had worked a full day at the summer camp, uh, which I was a martial arts instructor. So it was a very, it was a very long and physical day. Uh, then followed by, I think, what was it? It was 8 p.m. The it started. It might have been 7 because the movies were a little longer. So I think we had 7 o'clock-ish, and then we watched Batman Begins break. Dark Knight break. At this point, I've had two huge uh, sodas in order to keep me awake. I've actually put five-hour energy into them. Uh, barely had anything to eat because they, they didn't really give us that much time uh, in between showings to go and grab anything, especially outside of the theater. And uh, by the time the third one came around, I remember just feeling all sorts of mixed emotions and my heart was racing and my mind was tired. My body was weak. And, you know, by the end of it, I remember yelling out loud while also crying in appreciation of the ending. <laughs> I was uh, angered and impassioned all at the same time. And I remember I said, what the fuck was he thinking? <laughs> I remember years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rapist Cascone asked asked me because I was just looking at the screen in complete shock. And he was like, "How'd you like it?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, what the fuck was he thinking? He spent that many years developing a realistic Batman universe, and he ends it like that." And I, I was just, uh, yeah, that was my first. That was my first bit of fanboy rage. That, did you Did that, you want to snap that part out, or do you want to leave it in since you used his last name? No, fuck him. You know, Cascone's a fucking rapist. If uh, he mean, wants to know, contest could, it at all. He, I mean, technically, he could come out. Defamation? Mm-hmm. All right. He's not having physical proof, unfortunately. Go for it. He did. Man, I'm sure it takes a quick... This is America. People don't, don't fucking care about what's real and what's right. That That, that, that is, that is <laughs> very know, true. That's the problem. Well, <laughs> he, he can take all $30 I have to my name for, for the defamation. <laughs> Do you understand that he can never go on to do any of the stuff he was never going to be successful enough to do anyway? Um, he'll never go on to to get in front of a line at a movie premiere again, dressed as the main character of a movie, and be like, I met this person, he would, and use that as fuel to keep himself going for the next year. He would he'll just come to your house and be like, here, we'll be even if you just let me pick out whatever I want. I'll take your dog's collar. I'll take that picture. I'll take that fork. <laughs> he just starts taking stuff to do another rape. And I'm like, Matt, what the fuck are you doing? I said his first name and his last name. Y'all can put it together. <laughs> he just, I'll take this rope. I'll take, I'll oh take this Batman mask. What the fuck are you doing? No, yeah, fuck him. Nobody listened to this podcast anyway. But anyway, yeah, so I remember being really upset about this film. And I went to... Uh, I went to uh, I went to see it five more times in theaters to to confirm five more times was, five more times I was in denial it was really bad I was like grieving um, I remember the next day it rained I barely got any sleep I think I got home at four a.m. and then you know once again I I was working at the summer camp the next day and you know it was um you know that song Thank You by Dido 
It was like that. And I'm just all depressed throughout the whole day. Like that, that was theme the song? final installment. Uh, that that actually is very close to the theme song. Political podcast records on the same day we release. Anyway, um, but yeah, it was uh, it was an experience, and going back to it for the podcast was actually uh reassuring and refreshing. The parts that I thought were shitty were indeed pretty shitty, and the parts that uh, you know, I didn't appreciate last time, I actually appreciated a lot more this time. So. But with the types of critical thinking that we've been doing because of the podcast and, you know, kind of being able to separate different, you know, things from certain philosophies and from certain politicians and figureheads and stuff takes to, you know, acknowledge the things we like about someone and, and you know, also acknowledge the things that weren't so great about that person, you know, kind of uh, taking a, as even handed approach as we possibly can, despite our our radical views. Uh, you know, I, I was able to take take that and go into into the Dark Knight Rises with it this time, and uh, and I'm glad for it. I, I definitely appreciated the film uh, the most this time, despite the fucking pacing and uh, and the the acting that we no doubt have to discuss. Agreed. So knowing how we felt going into the movie, uh, actually, I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention that there uh, there were a group of people who had a much worse time at the theater, and uh, you know it's right, you right, know, right. Been a been a while, but still, rest in peace to those whose lives were taken in Aurora, Colorado, during the uh, mass shooting at the premiere of The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, that also was something surrounding this film, and uh, also detracted from the ever going gun debate in the United yeah. States. Uh, they're like, oh, it's because of the comic books. This guy thought he was the Joker. Yeah, let's, let's blame the Dark Knight trilogy, not not the mass shooting epidemics that we have, right? Yeah, I mean, the movie was bad but it wasn't that bad but uh but yeah let's um (laughs) i think we're gonna we're gonna get into into the movie so before we do just note everybody that this is a spoiler alert it is in full effect so if you have not seen this film yet um eh, it's up to you you can pretty much keep going and listen to this uh you know you're not gonna be missing out on a lot to be to be frank but uh you know, listen to this podcast and then go to our favorite parts of the film and then just watch those. And you'll really have a great experience. Yeah, that one scene I really like. <laughs> the, the, I, I, have, uh, I have like four. I'm going to say four. Right, cool. We'll see. You can count them and see by the end of the podcast if that's true. Uh, but with that being said, Ty, let's give him the plot. The Dark Knight Rises. Eight years after the Joker's reign of anarchy, Batman, with the help of Catwoman, is forced from his exile to save Gotham City from the brutal guerrilla terrorist, Bane. So just in that description, uh, we see that this is a very uh, purposeful film in the imagery and the subtext that it uses. This is a film about uh, revolution, uh, revolutionaries, if you will, uh, be, you know, not one in particular, one, one over all the others. It's, it's mostly about the French revolution, uh, taking heavily from actual history and from, uh, Charles Dickens, a tale of two cities, a book that's actually featured in, uh, in the film itself and is also based off the actual French revolution. So, uh, but we see that in the, you know, in the atmospheres and in the, in the character designs and costume designs that there, there's multiple, multiple revolutionary looks that are kind of put in here into Bane as a, as a proxy for quote unquote 
guerrilla terrorism, right. uh, which is which is how he's described in the uh, in the plot summary. Um, but uh, but yeah, I uh, it it took me a bit to kind of get that that part of it uh, that you know this was about more than just Batman. And yeah. you know, Bane's a dirty down. commie trying to trying to ruin democracy in America. So, fuck him. Well, I wish he actually was. I do too. The issue here is that they took his character and really fucking. For those of you who don't know anything about Bane, the comic book character, uh, they really did not do him justice in this film. Uh, they, he, he he really did have some great moments, but I think that by the end, you saw that his his values were really nothing. In the end, that he didn't necessarily believe in what I mean, maybe he did, but he was in it for Talia. If yeah, she he would have like, done hey, anything she asked, right? Yeah, if she was like, by the way, you know, the fire's dying down. We're gonna go purchase a KFC franchise. You know, he would have been like, fine, let's get some drumsticks. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. he, he would have been along for the ride. So I wasn't a I wasn't a huge fan of that, but uh, but yeah. So this you know this film uh, pulls heavily from A Tale of Two Cities. Uh, you know, there's the second time Dickens is appearing in the podcast. We did review A Christmas Carol. And, uh, you know, of course, we said that a lot of his works dealt with income inequality. This one, you know, very obviously, like I said, because it's based off the actual French Revolution. You have, you know, a, a situation where where millions of people are subjects to a few hundred thousand, the nobles, the clergy, those who are hoarding wealth and and irresponsibly spending the resources that are supposed to be going to the people. And eventually those people had to rise up and... I think, you know, what we see happening in in this movie, it could be a, a commentary on what conservatives believe would happen if, you know, quote unquote, the left got their way or whatever it is. Uh, but also, it, it you know, it does pull, like I said, from A Tale of Two Cities where there were kangaroo courts and the aristocrats were being tried and and uh, and and executed, which also did happen in real life. You know, it seemed to be closer to what you called me out on last time, Ty, that uh, the system was taken down, but there really wasn't anything great to replace it. And that yeah. that was the big issue there, uh, which we also see in, in Gotham here. But um, how did you want to tackle this? Did you want to go at it at any particular way, discuss a few themes, discuss the characters, go from the beginning to end? Where, where, what do you feel on Copilot? I'm open to anything. Yeah, I know you got a, a whole bunch of notes to go over, so... Works for me. So, uh, yeah, I like how at the beginning, you know, we see a broken Bruce who returns to being Batman. And yeah, we should Alfred... probably mention that this is based on uh, a, a couple of different comics, too, right? It's based on Batman Nightfall. No, it's based exclusively on A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's and this it. original Bruce Batman Wayne character. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's based on Batman Nightfall, which is where Bane really got his, you know, uh, made a name for himself. And uh, The Dark Knight Returns, which is, you know, one of the most iconic Batman stories and they really they did heavily borrow a lot of the Batman uh, elements from those two comics. Yes, they yeah, they definitely did. Thank you for bringing it up and it, what's so funny is that uh, despite hating the art in The Dark Knight Returns, I got a tattoo on my arm of one of the covers <laughs> from The Dark Knight Returns. And the next tattoo I'm thinking of is actually going to have imagery from this movie we're reviewing today. Really? Uh, despite, yeah, despite the fact that I could not stand this film uh, and still can't stand parts of it. So, yeah, it, it, it is very interesting. Uh, but it'll be the second piece of the Nolan mythos to make it onto my body uh, as far as, you know, uh, Batman tattoos goes. 
but yeah, so so at the beginning we see Alfred who who who's echoing the sentiment that we've expressed all throughout our reviews of the Bat Month, uh, starting with White Knight and going through the Nolan trilogy, when he says that the city needs Bruce's resources and knowledge. It, it doesn't need Batman. Uh, I like how by the end of the film, he finally gives both at the end. He redistributes his resources to Gotham and to one hapless detective and uh, (laughs) sorry, unemployed guy because he Uh, you mean to Robin. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. To the to the one and only. (laughs) How is that? No one's a.k.a. on this episode. Uh, It should have been. Fuck. (laughs) um, But but. In in John Blake, we see that he is a true Gothamite too. You know, like he's uh, Bruce is called out in the Dark Knight by Harvey. Uh, you know, by saying like, "Do you even live in Gotham City?" Because the Palisades are so far away. Right. And despite suffering such a tragedy at a, at a young age, Bruce really isn't the same type of Gothamite that everybody else is. He hasn't struggled in the same way, and the ways mm-hmm. he, in which he has struggled are ways in which he is chosen to struggle and yeah he struggled he in such stopped. a similar manner to, to john blake that blake was able to recognize he was batman so <laughs> <laughs> he could just see it in his eyes just, <laughs> which is killer screenwriting baby. i was like it can't, it can't be what i thought it was and then when i rewatched it i'm like oh fuck that was really how he recognized him huh. yep at least he knows the gothamite struggle of faking a smile but um <laughs> But yeah, he by the end of the film, he allows a true Gothamite to use those resources to protect the city and a city that he knows in a much different way. Uh, you know, especially after he's seen the hypocrisy of of the police, you know, by seeing those who are following orders and hurting those who they're actually sworn to protect. Uh, so, you know, despite what what I, I think you and I have agreed on as a very conservative narrative to this film you know, we also see that that there is an obvious, uh, and I think it's just inherent in the Batman mythos, not necessarily in the in the in the film, but in the Batman mythos, there is a critique of law enforcement and yeah. uh, you know abuse of abuse of power. And in this case, it's it's more the cops aren't crooked; it's just that they're following orders and catering to the whims of a madman. Uh, we also see that the police are more concerned with politics and would rather, you know, Matthew Modine's character, uh, who I should know. What? What's? Who's the, the the other police guy? Oh, I. You know, he was so forgettable. I don't even know. Matthew Modine, Detective <laughs> Modine. Um, <laughs> if you want to look it up while I'm talking, go. For I it. think he if was not, trying to take uh, Gordon's job, right? That was like his his whole role. So. Yeah, he was more concerned with becoming the commissioner and, you know, saying like, oh, this is peacetime now. We need a, you know, we need a more peaceful uh, commissioner and somebody who's going to lead the police. And uh, which, which is kind of an years. interesting way of looking at it. Right. Because obviously they want Gordon to be the, the hero in, in some ways. Right. That's how they're kind of painting him to us, the audience. And, you know, uh, in some ways, this movie's pro-police and some ways it's anti-police because, Gordon lies, right? Like all these people got locked up by like the Harvey Dent Act, even though they they totally lied about what Harvey Dent did and used that to kind of like bring justice to Gotham. And even uh, and Blake even calls Gordon out on that later on. You know what I mean? And and this idea of him being like a wartime commissioner, like what does that mean exactly? You know, is he out in the streets cracking skulls of of you know anybody? Yeah, you know, I really would like kinda... to take you back. To the Dark Knight when he was an amazing driver, and at the end he knocks the Joker on the ground. And he says, "We got you, you son of a bitch." That was, uh, <laughs> that was uh, that's probably it. I mean, that was more than Commissioner Loeb did in Batman Begins. He was just like, 
Good luck on the narrows, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what they mean, but my, my point is that, you know, he's cracking down on crime. And if we relate that to to the real world, it usually means people of color being unfairly targeted, right? So, you know, I'm not saying Gordon himself is doing it, but, you know, is the is the Gotham Police Department doing this? Is You know, what what are the underlying themes to how they're treating these criminals and, and the mass arrests that they've been doing? Uh, and that's something that Bane kind of really speaks to when he comes to Gotham. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point because, uh, you know, while we do see in the movies like, oh, crime means the mafia and stuff, we also know that in real life and... Once again, during the actual French Revolution, that the prisons were used, the Bastille specifically, were used as a means to oppress the working class and to oppress those poor who weren't going along with the ridiculous taxes and stuff and who and who were who were part of the revolution, Uh, you know, that that it was just. All, they were put in there under false pretenses, and it applies to there, and it applies to now. When you know, like I said, the, the slavery has just become the prison industrial complex, and we still operate off of that labor today as a country. And you know, I've also mentioned how, yeah, somebody can quote unquote commit a crime, but when you make so many ridiculous things a crime, you know, including mostly just being poor. Okay, you got a ticket. Now you can't pay it. So now your license is suspended. Now you can't work. So now you can't pay rent. And now you're homeless. And now you have to turn to like, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything is uh, is connected. And, you know, similar to how they had the storming of the Bastille, uh, we do see the storming of Blackgate Penitentiary in The Dark Knight Rises here as well. Uh, but yeah, following up on Detective Modine, uh, you know, like you said, he wants to replace Gordon. And we see that when he's given the choice to take down the criminals who just raided the stock exchange and Batman, who exists, uh, he wants to go after Batman because he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to catch, you know, I'm going to catch the son of a bitch who killed Harvey Dent. I'm going to take down the Batman and do what, you know, what Gordon never could. But, you know, it also shows just how myopic that, you know, he he's viewing things because, you know, Gordon never wanted to take down Batman. And there was a very real reason for that. Now, if this reason doesn't exist in today's Gotham, I mean, that's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, they paint it as he's being selfish and, and cowardly and, and he wants to do it for himself. But, I mean, realistically, it would make sense to take down the Batman, right? Like, he's known for killing their their hero DA. Um, you know, he's technically been committing crimes all these years and the police department looked the other way, right? By, like, assaulting... It was, like, a few years. Assaulting few, like, criminals, like, left and right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, realistically, yeah. yeah, the police would probably want to hunt him down. So, you know, and he's showing up here with all these fucking explosives and these crazy Well, that's why Gordon and- took all the most crooked cops and put them in the MCU at the beginning of the dark night you know it's it's Wurtz and Ramirez who are talking about Batman she goes hey uh you know mayor says you're closing on the Batman he goes the investigation is ongoing you know yeah. you get the shittiest cops and put them in your special unit they're That's not right. gonna hunt Batman down I guess way the to MCU, go see you Marvel you Cinematic killed Universe Harvey Dent <laughs> yes <laughs> no I'm just you know I just like we've we've spoken so much about how Batman is problematic so i don't i don't you know and i i don't want to just forget that point but you know i i know again he is trying to be the hero in this story and and do the right thing even if alfred tells him not to (laughs) yes yeah uh you know i think in uh in nolan's uh 
trilogy, he does a, at least in my opinion, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong or if you have a counter argument, but I think that he does a pretty solid job of explaining why Batman needs to exist in this universe. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not often we see him cracking down on the small level crime that let's say, you know, the whole, the whole reason why it made sense to critique him in Sean Murphy's White Knight series. Yeah. You know, this, this Batman is, is a little bit more nuanced and you could see why he has to exist. But by this, by this, by this third movie, you know, we see that there's not a, a, you know, a terrible crime problem like there was eight years ago when the Dark Knight was happening. And, you know, like Alfred says, he should redistribute his resources and help the police department that way. And part of it is also out of selfishness. I think he wants to protect Bruce because, you know, Alfred apparently knows a lot about Bane. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, and if you think about it, the reason there's no crime is because of the Harvey Dent Act, right? Which, of course, you know, Batman helped make that false you know truth happened yeah right? he was By responsible take, for it too yeah he, he definitely was yeah, but absolutely but, he was but it wasn't batman who actually stopped the crime right people didn't stop because batman was out there people didn't stop because uh you know they were afraid of being taken down by him they were stopped because they used uh, a lie to fa- to pass false laws that allowed them to you know imprison and prosecute people on mass on mass level yeah, you know, that's another thing is that uh, it's not just like actual criminals who are being locked up. You know, like you said, there's a disproportionate amount of uh, uh, socioeconomically disenfranchised people or disinvested people. I want to start using that term more and people of color. And so, you know, I think that that's represented pretty well in this movie, yeah. except, you know, by the time they free, they're freed, they all end up being bloodthirsty criminals with guns. Yeah. And that, you know, that yeah. that's where this analogy kind of falls apart, you know, as far as a real life. I, I think The goes. Dark Knight did a better job than this film did, to be honest with you. you know? uh, in every aspect, I agree, with that, especially <laughs> I mean, in that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, and, and, and you got to imagine they have all these people that were imprisoned. Like there is that many criminals in Gotham. Like holy shit! Like there's no, there's not that many criminals in in New York Russell City. Russell was fucking, fucking right. Ross yeah, was right. right. That's the like, point. Wow. Of this. <laughs> like I yeah, feel like for so every many. family, somebody's fucking got a gun robbing somebody. <laughs> like you know. It's yeah, like, but like, whoa. but that shows exactly how fucked up the Dent Act was. That like you know it was something that came from a quote unquote good place. You know this is. Uh, if we're going with that conservative narrative, we spoke about the Patriot Act last time. You know, they they used uh, false, you know, uh, false means to start spying on everybody. Um, I don't know if that was the right word. But anyway, uh, you know, we were being spied on by our own government uh, under false pretenses. There we go. Uh, saying that it was to catch terrorists and stuff, just like Batman did, except in the Batman universe, he got rid of the weapon. In real life, we're still being monitored at right, all times. right. Uh, you know, we also see that that in the the Dark Knight Rises, let's talk about something like oh, I don't know, Guantanamo. Anyone under suspicion of being a terrorist is put into Guantanamo and tortured. You know, like we're not we're let's let's four years later from the la- than the last film, right? So you know, let's take it from the. I know 2008 was Obama, but like, you know, he was kind of more bushy in his practices in the Dark Knight, and then becomes you know maybe more Obama y in his practices in uh in the Dark Knight Rises. Especially with the drone strikes, he literally uses aerial strikes. To, I didn't, I didn't plan on making that analogy, but fuck it, uh, <laughs> to to roam the streets of Chicago and uh, <laughs> murder Talia Al Ghul. I want to talk a little bit about Occupy Wall Street too. Now, 
when Occupy actually did happen, I wasn't too aware of why or what it was. I wasn't really, uh, quote unquote, as woke as I am now. I wasn't right, a soy right. boy pseudo intellectual. You know, but uh, but we see that it's 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 represented here. We see that there are a couple of traders getting their shoes shined, and they're not really caring about the workers who are doing it, not even acknowledging them. And the workers are are Bain's crew. Like Bain's crew disguise themselves as the working class in order to sneak into Wall Street. And you know, I did I did some some minimal research on Wall Street, uh, Occupy Wall Street. So you know, the movement, uh, you know, to be summarized, was was about wealth inequality as well, and holding accountable the bankers and corporations who are responsible for the recession, and also the subversion of democracy as a whole. We can't forget about People's United, in which corporations began having the same rights as people. Uh, once again, all done under the Obama administration. Just want to throw that out there because of uh, everyone's sweet, perfect presidential god. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was proven to be disorganized in the end, but it, you know, depending on who you ask, it, it brought a needed energy to the left and brought up the conversation about the 1% and the 99% and about wealth inequality and, and accountability. And, um, you know, Nolan continues to show a disorganized revolution in Gotham as well, where the people, quote unquote, are holding kangaroo courts and they're finally able to hold people like Striver account. By the way, there's actually a character in A Tale of Two Cities named Striver. I should, you know. Oh, really? That's uh, funny. Yeah. Nolan's not like savvy. Um, like, like, uh, he is for like, you know, bros like us who watch these movies. But the more I learned, I'm like. He just fucking took this book and he made bat. He just put ears on a couple of the characters. But, um, I mean, it, it was written by him and his brother. So who knows? Maybe his brother's the one that's like, yeah, man, just uh, go with this name. And he was like, all right, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Why not? Uh, but yeah, so it, it was to hold people like Striver accountable for their crimes against Gotham. Striver, who, of course, is a criminal, but not in the, you know, the typical blue collar criminal. He's a white collar criminal who gets away with it because he wears a suit and tie. Right, right. And, you know, to, to me, Nolan's saying that if we had it our way, that the justice we would seek would be exiles and death and disorganization. You know, I think I think more so he's pulling in A Tale of Two Cities. Yes. In, in real life, in a current revolution, I don't necessarily see that that happening. Because, you know, like I, I was talking with you about it off mic, like we don't want violence and death though like you know i even said last week my revolutionary ideas come from a place of love and compassion for all right. people so we want you know, true so equality for everyone but i think the issue is that the people that are you know that, like that who they are showing being exiled don't want the same thing they want more power more money so i guess you know no one's argument would be well you can't achieve true equality so you would have no choice but to either leave things as they are or kill these people, and I. Ten bucks I don't, says he wanted know. to. Ten bucks says he wanted to do the guillotine because with, <laughs> that was also made popular uh, be, Pro <laughs> during the French Revolution. But you know, um, there, like there are definitely like he definitely has statements that that are interesting. Like there's you know when Bain goes to, uh, to the stock Daggett. exchange, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. And he says, you know, the guy there is like, this is a stock exchange. There's no money to steal here. And Bain goes, really? Then why are you here? You know, and it's yep. like, you know, they're, they're right there is acknowledging how the stock exchange is is so fucking ridiculous and, and literally stealing money from from people. Right. Or is uh, it saying that Bane thinks that and he's the villain? Like, that's also a possibility. Like, we realize that, 
you know maybe like you know it's i guess it could it it could be that like i i honestly think it's the way that you viewed it that they're acknowledging how how corrupt the you know especially wall street is uh but there's also the possibility that like let's say a conservative fan looks at this and they're like oh you know look how ridiculous bane is true true you know that's, that's even too. even Selena says, "How about this?" Right when when Bruce goes there after, yes, he's yes. poor, and she's like, "Even the rich don't go broke like the rest of us," right? And I mean, that's true. It's very true. Even even when you hear like all yeah, he these, gets to keep his house, yeah, all these big you know these big time people, they always they always somehow are okay. You know, Martha Stewart, right? She was under house arrest, and 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 you know Bruce Wayne, like you said, gets to keep his mansion and. And he could totally come back from this. It's not. It's not the same way, you know. When 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 one of us goes broke, literally, it could be the end of our lives, right? We we don't have anywhere to go. We don't. We can't pay our bills. Like we're totally screwed. But someone like Bruce Wayne really doesn't have to worry about that. He just can't buy, you know, uh, the Russian ballet anymore. Yes. Yeah. You can't take out the prima ballerina for the Moscow ballet. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, but that's that's a really good point because also like how many people do we see fail up constantly, especially unsuccessful white men? Right. You know, on the low end, Benioff and Weiss getting a second shot at uh, Game of Thrones pilot. Thank God, I enjoyed a good amount of that show. Uh, but also, he's you know we see Donald Trump filed for Chapter Eleven how many times, and he gets hailed yep. as a as a successful businessman and fails up into the presidency, into the highest position you could hold in our government. Joe, Joe like, Biden failed to hilarious. run for presidency, and then fucking twenty <laughs> years later, he gets elected. Right? So that's <laughs> true. He wasn't even running when he was running in twenty twenty. Like he, like he yeah. wasn't even running. Bernie was running for him. Everybody yeah. else was running yeah. for him. You know, <laughs> he had a lot of hype, man. You know. He, he really did. Uh, but now that you're bringing up those quotes, uh, I'm not sure if I'll talk about it later, but I really did love Selena talking to Bruce and just telling telling him that, you know, that there's a storm coming. So you and your friends better batten down the hatches because you're going to wonder how you could ever live so large and leave so little for the rest of us. Right. And I was like, fuck, yeah. And like, at, once again, at the time, I was like, oh, Selena's saying some cool shit. You know, like this is in 2012, but now I'm looking at this and I'm like, yeah. yo, fucking Selena's bae. Like, that's the best thing you could ever fucking say. I mean, I'm she's like, by yes! far the best written character probably in this movie. And, and probably and the it, best acted yeah, in this whole I movie, mean, too. Yeah, the performance by her, is, <laughs> and, and, which is funny because I know, myself included, people are like, they casted and Hathaway is so Selena Kyle, like she does not give Catwoman vibes. She's the the Princess Diaries, whatever the fuck that movie was called. You yeah, know, like, yeah. Like that's Devil what everyone Prada. thought. Yeah, yeah, and then and then she just really like home run in this film. She was she was great, but yeah, she has some great dialogue, and she's someone who has struggled. Right, she has literally had to you know steal from the rich in order to provide for herself and her friends and and try to make it in this you know really shitty city that that is taking advantage of people and she has not had the same life that someone like Bruce Wayne has and i think in a lot of ways uh, her whatever you want to call it I, you know it's somewhat of a relationship but not till the end are they really romantically involved but like you know like just their i guess their friendship and and stuff kind of i think opens his eyes a little bit more to the realities of of Gotham in a way that he hasn't really been able to see yet yeah, well, we see that she steals from the rich in, uh, you know, when possible, but but also, like, her friend is taking a guy's wallet and there's only 60 bucks in it, too. Yeah. Like, you know, she tells Bruce, once you've done what you have to do, they'll never let you do what you want to do. Right. And if that's not just how capitalism works in a nutshell, that's completely true. Like, how tough is it for all of us to work on our side hustles and, you know, find the mental and emotional capacity? We've been fucking, quote unquote, working on a comic book for, for, for what, 15? 
15 years or something at, at, at this yeah. point. And like, you know, and it's and we get excited about it and we love it. And we come with all these ideas and I'm doing sketches and everything. And you're coming up with ideas. But like, how difficult is it to write that after 50 plus hours of work per week plus chicken feeding? How difficult, you know, <laughs> is it for me to gather like the mental capacity to draw? And like it, you know, it's it's, it, it's a lot. And Selena, you know, and also there's people who have real struggles. But uh, but, yeah, but like, you know, but but, you know, but Selena really does encompass that. And I like how you mentioned that, that, uh, you know, in an Aladdin meeting Jasmine sort of way, yes. she does. She does show Bruce. Uh, I don't want to say a whole new world. Uh, but she does show- <laughs> we should we should review Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> we should re- review Aladdin. It's definitely a class story. But uh, she shows him a whole new world of pain by introducing him to Bane. Uh, Street cat. But, yeah. Riff rat. <laughs> Scoundrel. Bat cat. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Tom King. Tom King. Yes, I was going to say. Um, I also want to know how in this movie, uh, how just in this series, it's constant white man hubris that leads to problems. Like, remember <laughs> at the beginning of The Dark Knight, uh, Gordon's like, what about this Joker character? And Batman literally says, one man or the entire mob, he can wait. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. The Coach Carter hopeful song starts playing, and it goes, he could not wait. Um, yeah, we didn't mention this either, him. though. Uh, you know, a lot of the issues with this film, I, I personally believe, and I think probably most people believe, arises from the fact that uh, when the film was originally written, Rises. the Joker was supposed to make a, a return. He was supposed to be the villain again, or at least have a very large supporting role. And, uh, you know, Heath Ledger, unfortunately, did pass. And uh, they they had to kind of scrap all their Sorry, ideas. Sorry, for a second I thought you meant he passed on the role, and I'm like, I don't think that's why. No, no, he passed away. He, <laughs> he passed, passed away. In yes. the afterlife, and yes. he was no longer able to play the character at that point. So uh, they were like, well, we're not going to recast this performance, right? I mean, he literally won a an Oscar, uh, you know, post death. Uh, you know, for the performance, which was pretty wild, and and you know his his performance as Joker is so iconic. I mean, he really stole the show in The Dark Knight. And you had some other great performances in there, and so I think they were like, rather than recast the Joker, they rewrote the project. You know, and I think a lot of Bane's ideas and and uh, and actions kind of reflect something the Joker would do. Yeah, they're Joker uh, adjacent, definitely. My, and my uh, our friend Pope, who's been on the podcast before, I was speaking to him last night about the film, and you know he said, "Oh yeah, he was on the podcast." He was like, "They probably he? were never going to have." Or it wasn't you, I think it was him that said this, right? They were never going to have Talia in the film. It was it was most likely going to be like uh, the Joker, kind of manipulating Bane. And Which would definitely make more sense because yeah. of the way that he manipulated Harvey and he just manipulates Exa- everybody. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And you it know, was him that said point. that. I yeah. didn't say that. Yeah, yeah I, thought, and I, I agree with that a lot. I think that's probably where they were going to go with this, with the direction of this. But And, and it probably would have worked better because the Talia stuff kind of, you know, while she's in the film throughout, it does come a little out of nowhere for me. And I know they have the, like, you know, the child, the child, but... I don't know. It was a real disservice to Bane's character, and it, it just doesn't hit the way I think they they thought it was. It, it thought it would towards the end of the film. And for comic book fans, I'd say it's a disservice to Talia's character too. Uh, you know, she yeah. is usually she's much more formidable, and you know, I don't think she's as one dimensional as you killed my daddy. You know, because yeah. her and her father have been at odds in the comics all the time. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I obviously re- rewrote her entire story very, very differently, and and made. I mean, who who she was and how she grew up totally different. 
Uh, she did She did still sleep with Bruce Wayne, though, so I thought little Damien was going to pop out, but uh, Bruce shoots her to death at the end, so it's fine. Yeah, so Damien, oh my god, Bruce murdered his unborn child. Can yep. you imagine? You go, imagine she's like, Bruce, are you going to use a condom? And he's like, oh, I'm so poor right now. Uh, you know, <laughs> see, I don't see, know. And, and conservatives are like, <laughs> see, this is the world that leftists want. Abortions at any time. <laughs> exactly. Um, even even just after conception, you can get shot in the middle of a truck holding a time bomb and, and yep. get aborted. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, um, I, I wanted to talk a bit about, about that, too, because... I did like the idea that they brought it back around full circle to Batman Begins. Like those elements, I really enjoyed. But you know, it just there's it just kind of seemed a bit haphazard, a bit piecemeal together. And yeah, uh, yeah. you know, for for me, it just it just didn't play out. Um, it would I think it would have been cooler if like at the end of Batman Begins, he was like, you know, even if I die, you know, the League of Shadows can't be killed. Like you know, they'll rise again. Like if they had done something along those lines, but it really they made it seem like the League of Shadows was gone forever. You know, and then Bane comes back and is like, no, I'm the League of Shadows. It's like, oh, okay, that's weird. Sure. None of these guys even look like ninjas, so you gotta yeah, wonder. Yeah, there's a bunch of mercs you gotta wonder. Like, but then they made, they made uh, Ra's al Ghul a merc, remember? They were like, he's he was a mercenary, and that's why uh, Talia's grandfather threw her mom and her in, into the pit. So, it was, so it's like uh, people following Malcolm X's uh, pre and post uh Nation yeah ex- exactly like, yeah there <laughs> like, you go you know, that's like, really good like 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 Razal Ghul was the mercenary and you know Bane kind of took like that whole aspect of what he thought the League of Shadows was and made it was and made it his thing and yep. he was like ninjas what the fuck are those He's like, well <laughs> like, he even like makes fun of all those tricks and stuff you know he, he kind of bashes theatricality and deception yeah. yes oh my god I, I really love that scene but we'll talk we'll talk about that in a bit I think um yeah, we also see that Modine. He says, <laughs> Detective Modine, still do, still not using his actual name. Uh, he says that uh, Bane is just a robber, uh, and Bruce also says that Bane is just a mercenary. Like, so we have these powerful people who continue to underestimate the little yep. guy, and they get fucking wrecked. Which is ridiculous because he's so not little, man. Do you see that fucking guy? He puts his, <laughs> he puts his hand on people's shoulders and they're like, fuck, this guy is intense. Yes, uh, Peter Baelish doing his best Dr. Evil impersonation uh, also underestimate you know i never realized the first time i saw that scene that he was like threatening to throw them out of a plane that he would shoot in the air and bane's like why would you shoot someone before throwing them out of a plane like it's like that's a really good question Bane. why the fuck would he do that who gets to stay on my plane <laughs> like Ugh. terrible Sansa, please you want to stay on my plane you have to answer my questions Bane. oh god um, what an elaborate plan that was too right like i think that's another problem with this film like the joker had elaborate plans but they were simply executed right it was like there's a bomb on two ferries and each other ferry has the controller simple as that right and then like yes that's like all right we're gonna i'm on this plane we're gonna blow the plane up another plane's gonna catch that plane you're gonna get me out of here we're gonna leave a dead body here we're gonna we're gonna actually blood of a live man into this corpse so they think it's actually like what the fuck is that but what first they that? had to pretend to be with Dr. Pavel, who is yeah. being taken by the CIA. I mean, uh, you know, like also ridiculous. a bit, you know, showing how the CIA is crooked. Let's do that. You know, sure. We yeah. all know the CIA yeah. is fucking crooked, but you know, but yeah, uh, it, it was, it was very elaborate for, 
it, and they it keep was doing pretty. that, it was right? Pretty. Even like the whole nuclear thing, like all right, some random Gotham citizen has the remote to the to the nuclear bomb. Nobody can leave Gotham. The government has to protect it, but eventually the bomb's gonna go off anyway because this machine, if it floods, can stop the bomb. But if it floods pre-bomb being put in, you can never stop the bomb. Like I'm like, what the? What is this? This is ridiculous. And they no, even kind of go have after a transmitter. Like, you could use the transmitter. <sighs> To right, stop right, the yeah. bomb that has been denatured to the point of five minutes. Yeah. I feel like at that point it's a bit late. Yeah, I feel like yeah. if like it's the nuclear substance. I'm no Dr. Pavel, okay? And if I could talk to him, I would. The man had his neck snapped at a football game. It was terrible. <laughs> After the sport has to change. Two football teams. He was really- Bane does not like sports. <laughs> he does Bane, not like well, sports. He, attacks, he attacks right after what song? I don't remember. The National Anthem. Ah. So kind of making a mockery of it. Maybe right, this is right, what right. we're we're being told the revolutionaries really are, that they want to attack yeah. democracy and in, in the US by attacking our patriotism. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he is kind of a one size fits all revolutionary. Right. You know, maybe that was on purpose. There's also <laughs> only one doctor in the whole world that could have stopped that bomb. I find yeah, that there was hard an article about it. I find that There's hard an to article. Believe. You didn't read the article? No, I, <laughs> I didn't. I, I just heard it. I find it really hard to believe that there's only one person in the world trained to do that. I, See, I but know. that makes perfect, like, so many things in this movie make perfect sense in a comic book, though. Yeah, Like, I could too. see all of this playing out fine. I could be like, oh, like, you know, oh, we'll be able to prove fraud in the long run. But, you know, you made all of these questionable stock decisions last minute just after there was a robbery. And all of a sudden, like, in a comic book, I could totally see, like, oh, Bruce Wayne's broke. That's all I need. I need a panel I mean, this to would, tell this me. This would even play this well is in fucking the MCU, ridiculous. but this, this being a hyper-realistic trilogy i think is where it kind of feels weird you know because because dark knight feels so realistic you know what i mean like i i forget that i'm watching a comic book movie when i watch that film it, it's you know what i mean and then you watch this and it's just so comic booky and over the top at times it, it it has such a very different feel uh you know from from the second movie and it's it's very it's very odd to me but you know and, and again with that nuclear bomb right they're kind of attacking uh like a like a an energy source, right? Because isn't the bomb originally? It's supposed to be something that can power the whole city and provide like a a better energy yeah, source for everyone. Yeah, like, so it's basically it's a weird... yeah. It, well, it's this like new technology that could be a renewable energy source, but right. when Bruce finds out that it could go nuclear and be used for dastardly deeds, he he put a kibosh on the project, but didn't, but didn't. flood. The chamber. To He's like, it we'll, we'll hang on to it, but if it ever does get bad, then flood it. And of course, he gives all this information to the daughter of Razagul, who does flood. Why the just leave chamber. that around? Why just uh, leave that around? I he just also don't trusted her, for eight her years. really quickly. So fast. He is very bad with people, probably. Oh my so. gosh, he is. He is just the worst. Like, wow. He just he just gives her the keys to his entire corporation like that. You know, I mean. He also gives John Blake, you know, all the Batman stuff without really knowing him. You know what I mean? Uh, he seems like a cool guy. He faked yeah. a smile. John Blake does murder two people in this film, too. He shoots them with, with his handgun. Yeah, but he didn't know that gun's killed. You <laughs> he was very shocked tell. by it. He was like, what the fuck very is this Very shocked thing? by it. <laughs> it was um, hilarious. Why did they... <laughs> see, that's another thing. Like, you could have that moment in a comic book. Not where he... I mean... Actually, yes, in a comic book, because there is a comic book where the main character bends bullets and bounces them right. off of shit. Uh, but in, in this... I mean, Dick Grayson becomes like, a cop in, in the comic books. 
Yeah, but like you have that moment by shooting somebody who's innocent accidentally and maybe they don't even have to die. And he's like, oh, fuck, like this is what being a cop really is. I somehow just figured that out now. Which is the direction he goes, right? He quits being a police officer because he realizes how cool it doesn't work. Yeah, but after bouncing a bullet off the cement truck into some guy and being like, I didn't know that. I didn't know bullets killed. Two total criminals, but like he like these people are definitely bad guys helping Bane's plot. Like John, it's just weird. It's just John Wick <laughs> is a is I think a good hearted guy who just bumbles around this entire film. He just keeps like he like he everywhere really he goes, somebody gets killed or or captured. Gordon's like, getting thrown. Yeah, into he's the like sewers. like for some reason he's yeah he's up on like the ladder watching and all the cops get arrested and he's like ah oh, damn it you know and he just like hides up there Son of a or bitch. he gets his partner out of the sewer and they shoot his fucking partner in the head. He's oh, like, no. oh damn. <laughs> He's like Eugene from Hey Arnold. He's like the unluckiest. He goes to save the commissioner. The commissioner would have already been dead had he not saved himself. You know, like he just, he never actually, he tries to get the kids off the bridge, right? When the nuke's going to go off. And they fucking And then when he does, he just goes, get back in the bus. Just get back in the bus. The guy's like, it's a fucking nuclear bomb, dude. It's going to kill us all. He's like, he's like, you don't want to take their hope away. All right. Uh, And then, and then, um. Alfred is walking. He's like, 32 banana cream pies. Who ordered 32 <laughs> banana cream pies? Slips on a roller skate right into John Blake's face at his birthday. It's John terrible. Like, oh, man. John- You're killing us, John- you sons of bitches. You sons of bitches. You creamed us all. <laughs> yeah, John Blake, who is could have been a really good character, horribly written, arguably the worst character in this film, in my opinion. And despite the fact that, like, once again, I want to point out that I'm not a fan of a lot of the acting in this film. I don't know how you could pack it with such an amazing cast and still have it. I love like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They're I think all he's fucking, incredible. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's great. Tom Hardy's fucking great. Anne Hathaway blew me away in this. You know, we we fucking came in underestimating her like a couple of dickheads. And yeah, fucking, true. you know, because once again, like I never watched Princess Diaries or Devil Wears Prada. They actually might be pretty good movies and maybe she has range. But, you know, I, I just it just never crossed my orbit. So well, I was let's, like, let's oh, be honest. Hathaway, we were we'll testosterone filled dudes, right? Who wanted like this really sexy girl to play Catwoman, and we didn't think that she uh, fit that stereotype of what we were looking for. And and to be frank, I still don't think so. And I'm actually okay with that. Like, yeah, I, mean, I was she listening totally to some reviews. Her performance, yeah, where they were like, oh, she was bent over doggy style on the bat pod. That was hot. And I'm like, I guess I don't know. I I just didn't get that. Like, I didn't get a. You know, I know she I got to do where they're going in for, some ways. But... Yeah. But uh but I found her to be an incredible uh force in this film s- sexuality notwithstanding. Right, right. Yeah, you know, and while we're actually while we're back on Selena, you know, we did mention before how she probably is more like the more accurate representation of the working class and, you know, probably what we would want at, you know, in a revolution, not what Bane, you know, ends up getting, which is anarchy, which is what the Joker wanted. Anarchists and revolutionaries aren't always the same. Um, You know, that kind of gets muddled here as, you know, Biden's a socialist. Right. So anything left of. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, anything left of Nazi is all is is is, is socialism, whatever. Um, you know, but she says, you know, I love that she says she's adaptable, that she turned to crime out of necessity. Uh, but we also see that when things go down, that she actually doesn't appreciate the violence or the chaos. You know, what she wanted was just the same opportunity that everybody else got. Yeah, that she people, wanted a like, new start, right? She, yeah. She, the movie's yeah. she's trying to get a new start. She just wants to get uh, a new name for herself, start over somewhere else. Uh, and live her fucking life, and she just can't get out of this place. Yeah, we also see uh, that 
that Gotham is uh, the city, you know, a city that's, you know, huge in crime and stuff. So we could, you know, see it as a proxy for any disinvested uh, urban area. Uh, they were let down by the U.S. government right away. <laughs> all the all the bridges were were blown up, which, by the way, how long was that gap in the bridges? Like 20 feet? <laughs> like I feel I like know. it's not. He has the tumbler. Anyone could have bridged it. Um, it was made as a bridging vehicle. Whatever. <laughs> um, it didn't work. I was wondering if there, yeah, we also, we already talked about the possible commentary on a corrupt justice system that falsely imprisons the disinvested. Um, This is not important, but I didn't, I I did notice, you know, uh, Alfred's always talks about how he wants Bruce to have a happy life and he wants to go to that cafe and look over and see Bruce having a drink with the woman that he loves. And, you know, Bruce is like, uh, you know, I had that and I lost her. And then Alfred's like, all right, so uh, I, I lied the last seven years. <laughs> yeah. And Rachel didn't pick you. She picked Harvey, and she gave me a letter to give to you, and I kind of burned it. And Bruce is like, you're a fucking liar, right? He doesn't believe him because I, I wouldn't believe him either. I'd be like, all right, right, Dad. You just want me to do what you're saying. Um, but then Bruce very quickly moves on with both Talia and Catwoman with Selena. So maybe he did believe him. I don't know. Imagine that was the closure. Like, I just, there's no way I would believe that. Like I know. Like, like unless uh, everybody has amazing recall in this movie, you know, Gordon will remember the coat and be like, "Oh, that was Bruce Wayne, the only child who ever who ever had to console during a murder in Gotham." Um, you know, or the fact that uh, you know, that maybe maybe he was like, "There was a letter and I took it to save you." And you know, Bruce is like, "Oh, was it that thing on the tray when you were feeding me brunch that time that I didn't want to eat?" Like, <laughs> like maybe that. <laughs> I imagine that was part of the dialogue and they cut it out. Like <laughs> cuz uh, otherwise maybe. why believe no why believe this guy? Uh but yeah. that was a that was a very heartbreaking monologue from Michael Caine. He's, you know, he, he's great as always. I I want to talk about before I get into like the I also have a, a different view of this which is uh inspired by uh you know, my recent bout with uh, mental health monsters, uh, but before I get into that part, and which is like why I like mental monsters, two parts of this movie, the mental monsters in my head. Um, that's, <laughs> write that down. I'm gonna make that a song. Yes. Uh, but Bruce, Bruce sees that uh, he actually even just as not being Batman, that he still has responsibilities that he has neglected, that if there aren't any profits for, uh, what was it, Wayne Enterprises or some shit like that, uh, that the orphanage, uh, which is the single orphanage in the city, which is funded uh, by dollars from that, it has has suffered. So, you know, we, we could also see this as a narrative of, like, that those who do have wealth and are able to give back should because when they neglect their duties as as those with resources when they neglect to distribute them uh properly and fairly that there are many who do suffer yeah and and bruce was you know he did want to keep funding them but the fact that he uh, you know kind of took the selfish way out and hid himself away from the world because he lost rachel and, and couldn't be batman anymore uh you know, the company fell apart, lost a lot of money, and they stopped funding the orphanage. You know, it wasn't his decision, but, you know, his lack of involvement and, uh, I think, caring about the city enough to still be a part of it that kind of caused this to happen. Yeah, we see that Bruce uh, multiple times in the trilogy fits into this mythology of, you know, the, the, the like, the, the great billionaire who just wants to help people and stuff. Like, even after he escapes the pit... 
which, by the way, this is him lifting himself up by his own bootstraps. Even after he escapes the pit, he puts down the rope to help everybody else, which to me that purports or perpetuates, uh, you know, the the myth of trickle down economics that Mm. like, oh, that the rich guy is going to help all of the masses, you know, the, the hungry masses below, you know, that that we need capitalism. We need these few people to be successful so that way they can help us out. Yeah. I mean, I won't lie and say that scene doesn't kind of get me a little bit. It's pretty good, you know, with the. Oh, that scene is what my tattoo is based off of. Yeah. You know, and him thinking of his father and, you know, why do we fall, Bruce? And all, you know, it's it's some really good stuff there. But I agree. It's definitely uh, also, you know, you could look at it from the other direction there, like you, you just mentioned. Well, yeah. So that being said, this is also like my favorite scene of the movie too. <laughs> um, I'm probably next to the fight with Bane uh, for for multiple reasons, but I just um, I remember the fight with Bane. I remember when it happened in theaters. I remember cringing. Uh, I remember just feeling so anxious. The fact that like my hero didn't have a fucking chance. Yeah. And um, you know, and I know that. Uh, let's go into it. You know that like. It, I think it's important. I said that The Dark Knight was really the first time I saw my hero lose, and I think it's important to see that stuff uh, because, <clears throat> um, I don't know, for those of you who don't have, like, healthy coping mechanisms outside of just looking at entertainment and everything, sometimes, you know, there are those of us who turn to fantasy uh, often or more than <laughs> sometimes more than we should. We, we turn to imaginary characters as role models. Um, and start churches. No, just kidding. But uh, but uh, you know, for me in particular, it's 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 always been Batman ever since I was eighteen. And um, and to 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 you know maybe see see him lose was rough, and then to 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 see him come back at the at the end was great. But seeing it now, you know, I've mentioned on the podcast a couple of times, uh, but you know, this past year, I I didn't think the pandemic affected me. Uh, like it was affecting other people. But when you have a year to just sit down and finally think and be confronted with 31 years of trauma, um, it was it was very tough. And I found myself in some very dark places as well. And, um, you know, in real life, you could feel like a piece of shit when you lose and feel like a piece of shit when you don't want to get back up. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's this in this movie, <clears throat> we see Bruce's arc is about just continuing to get back up. And that is what makes a hero a hero. Right, and, right. Uh, you know, once again, seeing that, um, you know, there's this moment where he says, I, you know, I do fear dying. I fear dying while my city suffers without me. And originally that never really meant anything to me. But as somebody who... Um, relinquished his his firearm in the event that more bad thoughts would creep into his head in the future. You know, as that person, you know, I can say that there are times where maybe my life doesn't mean as much to me as it should. But the thought of leaving those who care about me or depend on me or those I care about behind, you know, in this world without me, maybe one day or two that's that's all i need to keep me going and you know to see bruce uh go back to this moment that he never really got over right we see the bats again we see him like you said imagining his father when he says why do we fall so we can learn to pick ourselves back up but bruce never did he never picked himself back up and now he's in this moment where he has to and he has to confront his fears because 
you know, sometimes that is the best way to keep you going. And, um, you know, like you said, man, this fucking scene gets me. You know, we see him crying. We, uh, we see him climbing. I'm crying. We see him climbing. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> you know, I think of the word rise. And um, it takes me to the Snyder Cut, which we should never review at this point. But, you know, there's the whole mental health uh, allegory that Snyder puts in there because of what uh, happened with his daughter. And he, you know, I think he very clearly uh, makes Cyborg a proxy for that. And, you know, Cyborg has this whole, (laughs) I want to say a relationship. He has this little beat, you know, in a story with Bruce's bat plane. And, you know, it said that none of the mechanics could, could fix it. And Victor says it wasn't a hardware problem. It was a software problem. It wanted to fly. It's in its nature. And to just know that, obviously, like they say, you are not alone. But to know that, like, wow, somebody gets it. That, like, I may not feel like getting out of bed today and it's not because I'm a lazy piece of shit. Even though that's what I'm telling myself, it could be a software problem. It could be something mental that needs to be fixed. And so we see Bruce, excuse me. So we see Bruce uh, come back, not Snyder Cup, Bruce. We see <laughs> Nolan Cut in the Dark Knight Rises, Bruce. Uh, you know, he's able to, you know, confront the the fear as the bats literally fucking rush his face again. And luckily he doesn't go like, oh, fucking fall. Um, he's able to make that jump. And as an individual should, let's take this instead of from the capitalist perspective that I was viewing at, let's take it from a mental health perspective. We all got to help each other out. And he drops that rope. That's cool. And hopefully all of these prisoners that Bane put there don't deserve to be there because (laughs) holy fuck did Bruce fuck up. Well, he didn't put them them all there. Some of them were already there, like the doctor. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, I I guess we'll have to assume every prisoner who probably put most of them there. Or some of them, at least. So they're most likely political prisoners who didn't deserve to be there. Right. And it's not right. like Bruce just, <laughs> whatever yeah. just happened in Gotham, Bruce just <laughs> did the same thing. <laughs> no, I, I, I think uh, I really appreciate your viewpoint on that. And it obviously was very personal and, and touching. And, I, you know, I didn't have quite the same, uh, I guess, reaction or, or you know, uh, you know, I couldn't relate oh, to it. Oh, in that case, I fucking way. hated that scene, bro. No, I don't, but I, don't even I, care I, mean, I actually, my favorite scene is the one where Bane breaks Bruce. And I think. I think what I like about the film uh, and don't like about the film is the fact that they kind of disqualify what Bane went through by the end, because I think some of his dialogue again, you know, to Bruce in that that scene where they're fighting, where he, where he gets ready to break him, is really good. You know, he talks about how he was, you know, born in darkness, and you know, he didn't see the light till he was already a man, and you know, it's all very dramatic stuff. Obviously, it's a movie, but if you really break it down, you know, what he what he experienced in that hole uh, was was torture, you know, and he was in there for much, much, much longer than Bruce was. And unfortunately, he was not able to pull himself out, but he used his own body to guard a little girl, you know, the one innocent soul, which kind of brings me back to uh, to the platform almost, you know, that idea. Yes. That, yeah. You know, that this this girl who's innocent of any wrongdoing, this child has been placed in this this, pr- this prison with all these people who may or may not be bad people, who may have done bad things, you know, who, who may enact violence. And we see that a lot of these people actually target her and her mother. 
And, you know, whoever Bane was, where, you know, we don't know why he's in this prison, but, you know, he decides that protecting this child is more important than his own uh, physical well-being. And he, he does, you know, pay for that. They horribly scar his face and, you know, he has to wear the mask to, to relieve the pain. I don't really know why, but, uh, but uh, you know. It, yes, I the thought, mask with nothing connected to it. Fine. Yeah, yep, I guess sure. it just protects from the air touching. I have no idea. They didn't really explain it. But, you know, the fact that he did this in, in that little girl. Uh, this this innocent girl is the one the first person to ever escape from here. You know, she does what no one else could, and because she was able to do it, Bruce is able to do it. Uh, and we don't really spend enough time with Talia once we realize this, you know. And I think that's kind of seriously, a shame. seriously, kind of a shame, you know. It's just like, well, now I want revenge for my dad dying, but you know, she was somebody who went through hell and and made it out, you know, and came back and and rescued, you know, Bane and. And she could have done so much more. It could have been such a stronger character. It's a, it's it's really a shame. And uh, and, and also, yeah, good. I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but if they were more true to the characters, we would see like you know an an Arabic woman playing Talia, right? And we would see a Latino man playing Bane, right? So yep. you know, to see like oh, you know, I know that's not necessarily what happened in the movie, although he did uh, base the character off a of Romani, uh, you know, boxer, you know, but like, you know, to see like, oh, the white man struggles a bit and now is able to overcome these two people who have known nothing but suffering right, and have right. overcome it their entire lives. It's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Bane is a really interesting character in the comics and they, they really kind of could have done more with that. And, uh, and just from a filmmaking perspective, that fight with, with him and Batman is really well done. You know, uh, I think they cut any music, you know, it's just, uh, grunts and, and the sounds of bones breaking and you know all these people just watching in silence and the in the lighting uh, or lack thereof is so well done you know and and you see uh, Bruce trying all these tricks that have always worked against all the other criminals you know shutting off the lights and uh, throwing batarangs and and all these you know using like I guess like smoke bombs and distraction smoke bombs, tools yeah and, you know and none of it works on Bane you know he's like because we are initiated aren't we Bruce you know he he's not someone uh, the typical person that Bruce has fought before, he's someone different. He's He's been through something far worse than Bruce could ever do to him. And again, that's why I think they kind of let him down in the end, you know, his character. And, uh, you know, he even has that, that line like, you know, victory has defeated you. You know, you fight like a like a young man, right? You know, Bruce is giving it all. He doesn't he doesn't care. You know, he kind of Alfred kind of calls this right. He's going to you're going to fight until you lose because. You know, you just you just don't really care anymore. You know. Well, also, just... yeah, he was looking for a way out. Yeah, like, this is yeah. about Bruce's depression. It know? is. It I totally mean, I know is. you said he took the easy way out because you don't care about mental health, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, so his childhood friend died, and then he held himself up for eight years and stopped being Batman. Well, I think <laughs> um, I think that you got to look at it like this, right? I, I agree that you know, mental health is important, but most people yourself included, don't have the luxury of just disappearing for seven years and never having to work another day in their life. You know, that's just not, that's not the way the world works. And Bruce had that luxury because he's a billionaire. Uh, Meanwhile, as far as we know from the comics, Batman would have been like, oh, this was really shitty, but this is why I have to keep going. Yeah. And that's that's kind of who Batman is. And and this version of him, it took Bane, (laughs) I guess, and Talia to inspire him to, uh, to face well, those, as you told things. me when uh, you know when the film first came out, it was you know Selena was kind of the introduction to that, yeah. you know the introduction to get to to getting him out of that, and also we see that um, oh god I'm gonna start crying again that yeah, that you know like introducing love into his life is also how he's able to have uh, quote unquote a normal 
life by by the end of this that yes. you know he is he's it's also his downfall because he trusts talia so much but <laughs> just put it out there that he yeah does. he was really playing the field there yeah. um also but, selena led him to get his back broken right. broken by bane so but in a way he also uh, <laughs> kind of helps selena care about something other than herself because she's ready to run from gotham and she's like come with me and he won't do it he won't leave the city and because he won't leave, she ultimately doesn't leave either. And she shoots Bane uh, and kills him in a really lame way. But she has a funny line after, so I guess that's something. But, yeah, she saves, yeah, she saves yeah. Bruce so that he can go kill Talia. It's a lot of killing. There's a lot, there's yeah, a lot of an killing. awful lot for this guy. How, who how do you feel about the fact that, that Batman kills someone in every movie? Like, he doesn't straight up murder them until Talia, but he, like... You know, he lets Ra's al Ghul die, right? Lets him die. He lets Harvey Dent die. He fuck. He 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 saved Ra's the first time. If he's a great ninja, he could have flipped out of that out right? of that train or right? somersaulted. Fuck him. Um, the Dent thing, I guess it's because he only had so many arms. Like and he could only hold I the mean, kid. He tackled him off, but would would yeah. would the Batman from the comics do that? He wouldn't. No, no, he would have found a way to like use a zip line and catch yeah. b- both of them or something. And again, it's more uh, realistic this way, but it also yeah, is an interesting yeah. way of like, all right, Batman's killing without killing, you know? Yeah, and like you said in this one, he straight up murders Talia uh, into next week. Um, oh, also, we didn't really mention it, but yeah, this is while a literal war is happening between the police. And all of quote unquote the criminals, all quote unquote the revolutionaries. Yeah, this, this imagery made me this really is our uncomfortable town. this time. Yep, it should have. Uh, <laughs> I did not like seeing all these like cops in uniform taken to the streets. It, it really bothered me. And We're the law me. in this town. Yeah, but it, it showed brought, you know it, it did show them as a gang. Oh to, fuck yeah! To the protests Sorry. in a way. You'll see why. But uh, tell me again, yeah, tell me about the protests. Well, it just like the idea of like, hey, we gotta, you know, cops gotta get together, we gotta take to the streets to stop these fucking, you know, criminals from protesting uh, in the streets and stop them from from trying to get, you know, justice or whatever whatever they call it in this movie. You know, we have. Well, to by stop the end them. of this movie, it's very clearly chaos. So yeah, like, it they is. make it so. Um, you know, it's like they did with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? They make it so obvious by the end that, like, there is no gray area. Like, you know, it's it's the cops versus the bad guys, and that's it. They're the bad guys. There's no nuance anymore at all. Right, right. And, and you know, unfortunately, I mean, I, I don't know. We've talked about this, I think, off mic, but sometimes I feel like maybe chaos would be the answer only because the system would be forced to fall and then we'd have to come up with something different. Um, whether that would actually work, I don't know. But, you know, what, what's the answer here? Go back to capitalism and police, you know, ruling the streets again. It doesn't really seem like a good answer either. So we see, you know, this gang of police officers, uh, you know, in the streets fighting, fighting against these people. And then we have that really terrible shot of, uh, of oh, dying. Yeah, that is <laughs> he, uh, rough. He's, he's shooting and then it cuts away, then it cuts back and he's dead. And it's like, Ugh. God, not even. A, yes, oh, that was rough. But uh. But yeah, so um, oh yeah, same. All right, so <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, uh, I did. I really liked what you said about Bane. That like stuff has been done to him that was so bad that like Batman could not dish out anything similar. And like you know, I I I identify with both of them in this movie in in different ways. You know, like uh, every time I get back into working out or if I go back to the gym, which you know obviously it's you know been not since COVID, but. 
um, you know, there have been times that I've listened to that fight scene and I just think about like, you know, I've told you, dude, like you remember me, I used to walk three miles uphill both ways. And I think that's actually literal, uh, to my martial arts school every day with a fucking duffel bag over my shoulders, like Brock Lesnar. Like it was no fucking problem. I just did it all the time. I would fucking work ridiculous hours and just be like, Oh, this is what I got to do to survive. And you know, now I'm like, Oh, I got a parking ticket. My life is over. (laughs) Like I've like, everything sets me off. You know, I, I do think, though, that uh, for those of you who are in a similar situation, like when you do spend your entire life surviving, like there is a certain point where, you know, even the most minimal of threats or problems can elicit a maximum response from you <laughs> because you're yep. so used to every situation being an emergency, uh, you know, an emergency situation. Um, you know, but there's times like when he says like, oh, victory has defeated you. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, dude, like I've gotten fucking soft. Like sometimes I yeah. feel that way. Yeah. Um, you know, even even when it's not true. But, you know, that but that follows through to the end of the movie where, you know, Batman actually was able to defeat and and, and overcome his own demons, unlike Bane. And no offense to him. He helped out that girl and he got fucking injured beyond belief. I don't blame him for a second. You could tell <laughs> he was working out a lot down there anyway. All right. Yeah, yeah. Also, these guys down there, real great folks. They were all cheering on Bruce, a guy I know, who like, even fuck, fucking knew. Man? Really great people. If you go back, there's one background actor who like is putting in the most minimal amount of effort and cheering on Bruce, and it's the best thing. There was like, like a very like, like communal uh, thing down there. I yeah. feel like where they were all like, if one of us gets out, we'll get all of us out, and they would all have like little meetings at night. And yes, like, comrade. Like, you're like, I will go tomorrow. I will free us, you know. And then like they would jump and maybe not make it back, and they all honor him. And then the next one would try the following week, and. They would do this for years and years and years until Bruce got out and threw them in the rope. So, <laughs> would have been a better movie. Maybe put it in a prequel comic. Uh, there you um, go. But uh, but yeah. So just know, folks, that for those of you who are fighting internal battles, like, guess what? Nobody's gonna put up a harder fucking fight than you. So anything That's external, right. like, you can take that shit on. You know, you can be Batman. All right. <laughs> Yes, you can. Uh, and, and you I, know, I think uh, – well, yeah, what? I was going to say, I have two last notes before we, we end, so I don't know if you were kind of wrapping up. I, they've come to me mentally. I have mental notes. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, you know, at the end with the nuclear bomb, I did look it up, and uh, nuclear radiation travels about 50 miles. So uh, – you know, I don't know how far. How far is Gotham Bay from the rest from, of the city? <laughs> my feeling is that that Gotham's fucked for a long time, <laughs> and uh, the 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 air and sea around it is pretty bad. So uh, Bruce left a radiation wasteland for for John Wayne to protect. That son of a bitch. It's gonna uh, become I, Mad Max. Yeah, <laughs> like everyone's gonna mutate. It's no and man's shit. land. <laughs> it, I mean, it was supposed to be yeah. in the film, but. Uh, you know, also, I actually, one last thing that came to me is we do see how these individuals, like the the Gotham that's created post-revolution is only because of the fact that there are no resources available yeah. to, like, they turn Gotham into Palestine. Yeah, actually, yeah. That's a really It's a an really open-air prison. Hashtag free without, Palestine. Fuck yes. Virtual high five between us. Yes, hashtag free Palestine. And also, 
free Palestine, um, just in general. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, they, they basically do. They provide so few resources. You know, they control everything that comes in and comes out. They don't allow anybody to leave, and everyone's under a constant threat of violence and and surveillance. Uh, you know, by by people who are using military weapons that were created for use by the U.S. government or Bruce Wayne, either or. Holy shit, dude. I told you this is going to be a best episode for the worst fucking movie. Oof. If we could have put this into the Dark Knight, it would have been such a better episode. I, I mentioned this before we started recording, but like, I really do want to know if this was anyone's favorite movie or favorite Nolan film, favorite Batman film, favorite film of the Batman trilogy, because I have never met anyone who's ever said that they love this film. I've seen people who like, yeah, I liked it. Or like thought Bane was kind of iconic. I've seen people like put their hands on their sh- like on their uh, collar the way he would, or you know mimic the voice. Even though it's ridiculous, people always remember it. Uh, I but, love it, dude. You know, I everyone- follow my wife around when we go out <laughs> shopping, and I'll find something hollow and I'll start speaking into oh, it. Oh like yes. That. And she's yes. like, I mean, before COVID, I did that. I haven't yeah. done it since. Post COVID, uh, everybody she, wanted the Bane mask. Yeah, but. she hated it and then loved it. So Aww. way to go, man. But yeah, like I, I don't, I've never. People are like, oh, the Dark Knight trilogy is great. Oh, the last one was okay. Or like, I didn't love the last one. Or like, the first two were really good. So I'm, I'm. There's really got to be someone. Yeah. There's got to so be someone who's maybe like, if you're Tom a listener, Hardy made like, the fucking movie. Bro. Yeah. Like, I mean, Tom Hardy's a great actor, and I think he did his best. I think Nolan as director should be like that voice not working for me. Uh, and again, the casting. Yeah, that's like, on him. Nolan's yeah. a, a white British guy, right? I mean, they. You know, there's not a large Hispanic community in England, so maybe he just didn't really think about it. But his movies are notoriously white uh, casted, and he's only more recently started putting people of color into his films. Um, and you know, like Tenet. that's a pretty good point. Yeah, yeah. Tenet had the first you know uh, black lead that he's ever had in a movie, and you know, I, I think obviously it just you know I'm not saying no one's a racist or a bad person, but you know he he probably has. Uh, certain viewpoints and he just didn't ever think about the fact that he should be giving the role to other people, especially a character from the comics that was Hispanic, right? Who Who's Latino, who's not yeah, a white he was, person. He yeah, he was born he sh- on the island of Santa Prisca, which is a fictional island like right by Cuba. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, his they gave his story to Talia though. I just understand like, cause he literally did. in the comics, he is the son of a revolutionary and he's paying cri- for his father's crimes in yeah. prison. Like, just keep so, the one guy. It's a weird just- move. It's a very weird move. <laughs> uh, and my last thought is, we already joked about it, but again, that scene, my least favorite scene of the whole fucking movie is when she goes, you should have used your real name. I really like it, Robin. Like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? God, I already uh... didn't like John Blake's character, and it made me hate him. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like he, that was John's so, like, his middle snide. name. That, that was that was from Nolan. That was him to be like, ha, gotcha. Yeah, like, I mean, like yeah. I, we've made so many jokes about it, you know. Like, like it's just so silly and stupid. And I think anyone who's a Batman fan got the gist that he was supposed to be a Robin S character. You didn't need to go there. It was just silly. Really, really poor writing, uh, and not needed at all. Yeah, and. Uh... You know, with Blake, we see that similar to how uh, Eloyo, the platform ended, that he is the younger next generation on a platform rising to to meet the challenges of the future that Bruce leaves leaves everything in the hands of 
I just, I don't want to say underqualified, but he's definitely not ready for the shit that, he didn't even know that cops have to make tough decisions sometimes. Gordon's trying to tell him, he's like, you you have to put your hands in the muck, buddy. And he's like, what are you working on? Uh, he's, he's like, I hope you, he's like, I hope you have somebody that can, you know, take a the friend fall like for I did. It. Yeah, so that yeah. you can keep your hands clean. He's like, hands don't look so fucking clean, right? <laughs> You're not uh, my real dad. <laughs> I mean, which I again, they could have ex- like it's already a long fucking movie, so I feel like they probably yeah. should have focused it more. But like, that's another great like they could have really focused more on John Blake's character. They could have kind of phased more Bruce out and kind of showed him as the next generation. Uh, rising to to save the world like we talk about all the fucking oh, yeah. time but like you know again <laughs> exactly. like That's like john blake you know kind of comes to terms with the fact that the police do not work that they are corrupt and even the best cop on the fucking force is corrupt right and and yeah because just... he like has to be like you can't work within like even with him working with batman and and you know promoting the dent act you, like you said he sacrifices integrity he is corrupt yes. and you know like how why is why keep a system that you have to be corrupt right. in order to make it work? Like it's yeah, just and a Blake, Blake makes it clear he would not have done that, right? He would not have thrown Batman under the bus and made Dent this hero and used it to imprison people. Like he, that's not the decision he would have made, and it kind of makes him sick that that Gordon, I think, who's one of his heroes, kind of did this, and uh, you know he he ultimately goes the vigilante route. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, you know, part of the reason why Bruce leaves him all of his weapons and armor and, and shit. And uh, the largely untrained John Blake is going to take on the role of Batman, uh, supposedly. God, I hope. Oh, I was going to say, I hope Alfred comes back. But no, he retired. Yeah. So oh, he can live there. He can live there still. He comes back. He's like, who the fuck are you? He cuts back. He's got like it's, like it's like 11 p.m. He's got a couple of women on his arm, maybe a guy too. Fuck it, and like they all have like bottles of wine and shit. And it's like, oh my god, show us your place. Oh, I stay here. It's just my summer home in Gotham City. <laughs> and then like, and then all of a sudden, like he's just walking around in the Batman. I was gonna suit, say like, he's uh, walking around like as Batman, <laughs> fucking training and shit yeah. in the mansion. I imagine he's just pouring coffee, and he's like, oh, <laughs> I was just getting used to it. <laughs> he's like, uh, oh man, awkward. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I do want to talk also about, um, you know, this is bringing it full circle when he says no one's ever going to know who saved an entire city. And he says, uh, you know, it was the Batman, you know, showing that, you know, from the beginning, Bruce took that to heart that, you know, you have to become a symbol. You have to devote yourself to an ideal because as a man, you really can't take this to where it needs to go. And, um, you know, he, Batman was always meant to last, but Bruce wasn't. Yep. And, um, you know, it's like he says in Dark Knight, right? I don't think this was on purpose, but it really flows well. He says, Batman has no limits. Like, this can be a title. This can be an honor. It can be a curse. Um, you know? But, uh, it can be a curse. But, but I think also in real life, that is what's necessary. Like, you really can't keep having, like, one person to be the figurehead of a movement. Like, you really need to start, you know, promoting, you know, like... Obviously, individualism is rough when it comes to anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers, but, like, also everybody needs to know that you can be the person. Like, you just need to know, like, you need to have the right spirit, you need to have the right ideals, and, and you know, be able to follow when, you know, whoever is struck down before you, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I um oh and uh lastly for me is Alfred's fantasy of seeing Bruce move past his pain and just live a normal life. Uh you know Bruce we see is a traumatized individual who's looking for something extraordinary to take him from that pain. 
Um, yep. uh, you know, and we see that in the end, maybe the most extraordinary thing he can do is, in spite of that pain, live an ordinary life. Yeah. And um, Alfred's got to live the life that he wants yeah. Bruce to have until Bruce finally accepts it. And you know, as as fans of Batman, Wait, and Alfred's got to live the life. Yeah. Bruce, he wants Bruce. Yeah, to that's have why he. That's Bruce why he always goes to that cafe. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and then he leaves. Right? He leaves to go live a normal life. Yes. But Bruce is able to. Bruce finally does it at the end. Yes. What, For some reason, Nolan didn't Nolan this, and he made it very clear that Bruce. Yeah. It was Bruce that he saw. Oh, he fixed the uh, autopilot. How the fuck did he get oh, out of a fifty mile God. radius? Of nuclear energy in a matter of time. Where, how? You know how? We're going to find out in Flashpoint. When the timelines got <laughs> fucked up, he went to Cyborg, and Cyborg said <laughs> it wanted to autopilot. It was in its nature. Yes, it wasn't a mechanical yes. issue. <laughs> so obviously, you know, we know that Alfred looks at Bruce as a son and, and, and all that, but I have to say my girlfriend was like, what kind of fucking loser wishes their, 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 uh, their billionaire boss has a happy, like, life after after all this shit after keeping you in indentured servitude yeah. your whole fucking life making she was you like, call what a master fucking moron i was like <laughs> what a I was simp. Like, uh, he's a simp yeah all right you know i was like Alfred he, Penny it's like simp. his son she's like he's not his he dad thought it was dead. sweet she was like his dad's dead i was like oh okay you got some points yikes you got some points here yikes tell us how you really feel yeah right i was like fuck <laughs> oh that's too realistic for me <laughs> and, uh, i was like oh shit so uh yeah i'll leave you with that <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll have some show notes and sources for the rest of you folks over at uh, politipoppodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, if you want to, I'm putting this stuff out there, but we can do final thoughts after. If you want to find us uh, online, you can find us on YouTube. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can uh, tweet at us at politipoppod on Twitter. Um, you can gram us at Instagram <laughs> on Instagram at Politipop Podcast, and uh, if you feel up to it, you can email us some more spam at Politipopcast at gmail.com because that's all that has been coming there. Uh, now, Ty, I wanted to ask you: Did you want to do our Pride episode next week, or you know, we're going to be doing uh, Loki mini reviews, uh, right, Disney right, Plus's right. new Loki series, but. I don't know, like, I kind of liked the fireside chat last week. I would be down with just having a few of those with you. Sure. Just, like, just yeah, talking. Yeah, I, mean, I think we just... want to kind of review uh, COVID, too, right? We want to kind of talk about the world. Yeah, my Taco Bell experience really you know, really hit me va- hard Vaccines recently. and where, where we're at as a country and, and the world. I think we, there's a lot to talk about there. Um, and June, if anyone knows, June, it's us. Oh, yeah. If anyone knows where we are as a country, it's you and I. Um, June is Pride Month, so of course we want to we want to talk about um, some of our favorite you know Pride characters and and uh, creators, creators and, and just you know the origins of yeah, yeah. Of Pride too you know, you know a, we, a, we a didn't trans forget woman about throwing guys, a brick at a cop you know? yeah yeah <laughs> um, so yeah I don't think we're gonna be like reviewing anything in the next few weeks besides the, the Loki mini reviews so uh, and that's okay with me. Okay, yeah, that that works with me too. I'm glad that we spoke it. <laughs> we spoke about it literally here on the podcast. Yeah, you, yeah, y'all heard it first. You, you, you certainly did. Uh, so special thanks to all of you for listening, and to Antonio Hava for logo design for the Politipop podcast. I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're watching, what you're reading, what you're listening to, never stop thinking, never stop learning, and always remember to read between the lines. And see.